0: you're listening to music tectonics
1: welcome back to music tectonics i'm dimitri Viza, your host i'm the ceo and founder of rock paper scissors as you know i'm at nam and i was just in the yamaha quote booth end quote it's actually not a booth it's huge it's a huge room in the merriam company Yes, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, I brought Blake Angelos out with me. He's a synthesizer product specialist at Yamaha. And it was just too loud in there. There's so many there's oh, people playing drums. Very
0: well. You know, with Yamaha, because we're the largest musical instrument company in the world, we make a lot of different products. And it's part of the reason why we have a ballroom to show everything. It, a booth really doesn't work for us. But because of that, You know, we have a main stage in there and it can get exceptionally loud. Yes,
1: as our our podcast listeners have heard, Nam is loud, it is loud, but there's lots of great creativity happening, not only in the the musicians that are running around checking things out and trying things out, but also the inventors and people who are doing cool stuff. And Yamaha's got some some interesting stuff coming out. Why don't we just dive in there first? What are some of the most innovative things that Yamaha has released recently, whether it's features Mm -hmm. on existing Products or new products?
0: Well, um, you know, as far as my world, um, I work on this in the synthesizer department, so that's kind of my main focus. There are lots of innovative things that we do in there on all of our departments. I mean, like we have that new stage custom that we were walking by with the drums. That's the uh, the smaller kind of kick drum. We had a thing called Hip Gig for that one. And now they've kind of re released it with a with a, a smaller kick drum. So that's and it's it's a, So it's, it's the size that's interesting and then it's ability low cost. And it sounds good. I mean that's a big deal about trying to trying to have as much value in our products um, at um but, but still have really high quality. And one of the things of being a company like Yamaha that has so many um, avenues to do that with, I mean we have for example, just in metallurgy alone, you know, we can look to our motor division where they do a lot of metallurgy things and uh, how it kind of translates to my product. Um, it also translates to drums because one of our drum uh, pedals is made kind of from in the in the motor factory, so it's really high quality. It looks like a cafe racer almost, uh, just a kick drum pedal. Wow! So for our synthesizers though, we have, we at this show, we're releasing a new one called the YC-61, which is a stage keyboard. Um, one of the things that we haven't done in a long time Um, is have what's called YC. YC stands for Yamaha Combo. The combo organs um, of the past, we had things called the YC45D, which we have in there from 1972. And what that was is like the old-school combo organs that are transistor organs um, that's a dual manual one in there and that used to be a kind of a big thing
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, let's break this down okay. a little bit because we've got a very diverse audience Some yeah. are musicians engineers producers and some mm-hmm. of them are marketing people yep. and let's let's help them understand what you're talking about What is this combo thing you're talking about? Well,
0: there are different types of organs there are things like um, the tone wheel organ which um, a lot of people kind of think of the big wooden ones and um, I try to stay away from naming the names of the other manufacturers. You but I But uh, I think a lot of people probably know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but there's those type of organs. Then there's other organs, ones that were made in Britain and ones that were made in Italy that are called combo organs. And those are things like when you think about Question Mark and the Mysterians, you know that song, 99 Tears, yeah. uh-huh. or 96 Tears, not 99. Uh, that tune used a combo organ, that cha-cha-cha-cha-cha, or Louie Louie, doo-doo-doo. Doo-doo, that's a combo organ. So those were meant to be smaller organs that they released in the 60s to be a little bit more portable because the the, the traditional tone wheel organ was huge, weighs like you know 200 pounds and it's not really gig friendly you have to have a dolly to bring it around so this was kind of the first time when they had you know these type of instruments that were portable. It's the same reason why tying pianos, electric pianos um, why they were invented. Because an acoustic piano is very heavy and it goes out of tune. And so they developed these other things to for more gig-friendly things. One of the things that I think rock music did was um, force manufacturers to rethink how they wanna you know, play music live and make it a little bit easier for bands to get together and keyboard players to have stuff, so.
1: You know what's interesting? Um, you know, we look at everything kind of getting smaller and more portable. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at just the smartphone and and mobile devices, Exactly. you're basically saying that 30, 50 years ago, this ability to shrink things down was already happening.
0: Absolutely, it was happening, but it's not necessarily super portable. I mean, that YC45D is 140 pounds. So what was considered to be I mean, for example, one of them that we had, we have the very famous CP-80 and CP-70, the Electric Grand. If you were familiar with like Simple Minds, a lot of people might remember the, don't you forget. So Simple Minds play that, that ding, 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 ding. Part of it is a, is a uh, synthesizer on there, but there's also the CP-80s on that recording. Or Supertramp, they use one, or, you know, uh, Billy Joel, lots of people use the CP-80. And that was supposed to be the portable piano. That alone weighed over 200 pounds.
1: But a lot less than a traditional acoustic
0: piano. <laughs> a lot less than a
1: traditional acoustic piano.
0: Um, so, so yeah, there's always been this stride. But as we move forward, there have been advances in things like everything from from the materials used to make things that have gotten lighter to the technology inside that have gotten smaller and um, faster and better. I mean, you think about when people talk, you know, the Apollo 11 mission the computer used for that filled an entire room and they make a big deal like in apollo 13 where it's like this computer and they're walking this room well that my, my my apple watch here is stronger than that way like like exponentially more horsepower here just in this so those things have really changed so we'll fast forward for my product here i'm talking about those combo organs weighing so much Okay, now we have this YC-61 that not only has drawbar organ design on it, that simulates those vintage models, H model is what we call those, H1, H2, H3. Those are the drawbar uh, tone wheel models. And then we have ones that use um, a proprietary FM synthesis to simulate those transistor organs that were used in the 60s. Okay, we also have great pianos and synthesizer leads in the key section on that product. But the thing is, 61 notes, it has a thing called a waterfall keybed, which is the same type of bed that's on an organ. And the benefit of that particular thing is organists have uh, these glissando smears that they do. They wah when they slide up. If you try doing that on a piano keyboard, you can literally hurt your hand. But organ technique has developed around that. So we developed this new waterfall keybed. That's cool. But the main point that I'm going to get to is that it sounds amazing. It's totally aluminum alloy. It has wooden side panels. When you touch the, the, the knobs on it, it's super solidly made. One thing Yamaha makes is quality products. You know, when people think of Yamaha, they don't think, oh, that stuff is junk. You know, I, 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 no one really thinks that. People always kind of consider, oh, yeah, Yamaha, they make good stuff, no matter what we do. Could be AV equipment, could be a saxophone, could be an acoustic grand piano. It could be, you know, a motorcycle. But our stuff has that, that, um, that vibe of being high quality. So that product weighs 16 pounds, super light, and 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 yet it does all these things. So that's kind of, you know, one of the big innovations for us is not only in the technology design. In fact, the organ is using a thing called virtual circuitry modeling, which is a modeling technology that models the old components down to the circuit board level, but does it inside of a software environment using Linux. And it and it really does an amazing job. Doing that vintage sound, so that's where the technology f- that in, but also in the materials and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And it goes across all of our products. You know, it, it, all the products use this innovation. Innovation is a huge part of Yamaha, um, and, uh, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so proud. I've been with this company now all in for 25 years. Wow. And uh, have watched that change over the years as well. But it's um, you know it's a cool company to work for, and we make. Very innovative things like this.
1: So it's so. interesting. Some of what you're talking about is getting stuff, you know, there's technology now available to get it down smaller, so that yes. you can get sounds that people always liked, but just weren't yep. um, weren't pra- pragmatic for exactly. touring or, yeah. or playing live. And uh, and then some of it's actually part of that is recreating those sounds. There's technology, even software, now has gotten to a point yep. where you can recreate a sound that really couldn't have been. Digital in a previous era, it yeah. had to be analog circuitry, and now you're getting those sounds, which is simultaneously making it more portable yeah, it simulates and more affordable.
0: That, that indeterminacy is what vintage things, when people hear like a, uh, like a tube amp, why they like the tube amp sound is because of the indeterminacy as they heat Some up, randomness they change and they have a certain harmonic characteristics that's added to the sound. So there's that way of doing it, or you can model that and kind of simulate what that you know brings that to it that technology has gotten better and better and better every year and you'll see other manufacturers who do it too Um, for example we have friends from an italian company called audio modeling that took a technology that we did in the 90s called physical modeling uh, or virtual acoustic which was a product called the vl1 where you had a breath controller and as you played it it simulated a saxophone so if you tongued it, it would have a different sound than if you blew into it. A digital sample can't really do that. Um, so modeling does things like that. Now, fast forward here, that company is doing all sorts of things in software in a plugin that goes in your computer. That's that that has taken that far, but it's just a it's a it's a plugin. It's a virtual instrument plugin. Right. So those type of things have. Uh, I mean, you know, every year there's something new like that. You know, just different types of modeling and.
1: So, so you, you, you as as a product specialist, you demo a lot of this stuff yep. at events, online, and yep. and uh, sort of show people how to use it, what it can do, and so forth. You probably hear back from a lot of users as mm-hmm. well, um, musicians who are trying to figure out stuff with questions or yep. just, just seeing what they do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing anything interesting in terms of new styles of music or new genres that are emerging as a result of some of this or genres that are now able to go on tour? What are some larger patterns from your vantage point as somebody that's like surrounded in these synths and keyboards, knows well, what goes behind them, knows how to do the, uh, the, the different techniques right. and stuff, and then you see how other people are applying it. What are, what are some cool stories well, the from
0: thing, the field? The coolest stuff that I see um, takes, especially with, with some of, of um, you know the younger kind of uh, millennial and I guess whatever's before that generation why is that maybe so is that after anyway um so people in their 20s and 30s is what i'm kind of looking at so um well first of all to me in the 80s and into the 90s when hip-hop came out and when ways of making music changed with hip-hop one of them is that and electronic music is another one but with hip-hop you know you're not necessarily learning how to play scales and uh you know, wanting to play drums or bass or whatever in a guitar. Like when I was a kid, everybody wanted to play a musical instrument. Um, mostly it's guitar, drums. And um, and they're thinking about, I want to get in a band. And, you know, they get together, they rehearse. But it's a different way of, it's a different pathway to music. To do that, you have to practice the instrument. And you have to get to a certain level where you can actually play it live. Well, things like hip-hop, you know, kids were going in and buying... Um, you know, one of the drum machines was the TR-808 Roland Hand. That's a famous one. Yes. Well, when it came out, it didn't do that well. So a lot of them showed up in pawn shops, and kids would pick them up and get them. Because they were cheap. Yeah, and then they would start making music. But the music they were making was more uh, assembling grooves together and then rapping over the top. Does that, that doesn't necessarily require a musician to be able to play that, but a mind that's there... You know, what is John Lennon's quote is, uh, you know, I don't play tuba, but give me a tuba and I'll make art. And I totally understand that position. Um, So, you know, hip hop developed with that way, right? But now you have, when you take someone that does them both, that also learns how to play a musical instrument, and also learns kind of how to assemble music like, um, you know, a lot of the electronic artists do. When you put those two things together, that's when I see a lot of the really amazing things, you know. Um, you know, thinking, you know, he's pretty old, but, um, in the mid nineties, I got hit to square pusher. Um, so I was amazed at his drum programming that he does. So I knew he was doing electronic music, but on the other hand, he's also a killer bass player. So he puts those two together. Now, I think that ability to understand music informs his electronic. I always find guys that have a little bit of that going on somehow a little bit of music, with their electronic stuff, that's the stuff that's the most engaging stuff for me. Is um, uh, Nick Semrad, one of our artists. Um, he's out with uh, Corey Henry, who's a great um, organ organist. Um, but Nick is one of these guys. You know, he grew up in Nebraska, I think, and has a lot of gospel chops that he plays. So he's a really good keyboardist. But he uses the the technology in front of him, like tweaking effects in real time, because what he tries to get at is like this produced sound live. So he's very special effecty. He plays a piano that has a decay that, you know, usually pianos, when you play them, they, they sustain and they die off. Well, he has pianos that when he plays them, they sustain, they cut right off as soon as he pulls his hand up. So there's this kind of it's a different sound, but it sounds like it's been produced. So some of that is because he understands the technology, but some of it is also because he's a great musician and he's building, he's putting these two things together. So technology and how people absorb technology now on the internet and how they learn how to play stuff, um, that is one aspect. But the traditional way of just learning how to play a musical instrument, going to music school, finding a person, that exists as well too. The best stuff is the melding of the two. Right, that's my absolutely.
1: Point. Yeah, um, no, that's perfect, Blake. Yeah. Um, I always think about, um, there's a book called The Innovator's Dilemma. Yeah, I, I, I know that book, Yeah. Sure. And so it's a, it's a tech book, but it's all about... Every single innovation comes from putting two seemingly unrelated things together, and right. you get that you get that innovation. You know, the hydraulics with the steam shovel yeah. was the g- example that Clayton yeah. Christensen uses, and uh, and uh, you know he's got a follow-up book called The Innovator's DNA, and it's all about. Yep. Combining I know, those two, be, yeah. combining those, combining those two un, unrelated things, and so what do you do to combine stuff? You have to do experiments. You have to ask questions. You have to network and meet people to get new ideas, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And yep. you're talking about that. They could learn it from some of it from a music teacher yep. in school. So they could learn some of it from the internet. They could yep. pick something up at a pawn shop. Before you know it, they're combining these things and they get a new sound. Yeah.
0: See, hip hop to me is one of the biggest most important innovations in the music industry. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, I hear people, I hate that rap stuff. And it's, man, if you know where to look in there, to me, there was nothing that was out there that was even close to sub- something like Public Enemy or even before that, just a Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. You know, that the message that came out in like 1980 to me, you know, I grew up in Montana and I was... I guess I was in high school, maybe not, maybe middle school when that came out, but I remember first hearing that and being just captivated by that music at a, at a young age, and, it, and I never forgot that, but as I got older, I wanted to look back to see, you know, where did he come from? Well, he was a DJ, so he wasn't really a musician, but he was a thinking man, you know, he was somebody that, that you know, had an ability to rhyme and talk about very deep things, um, stuff that I didn't really have a lot of experience with in Billings where I grew up but but, um, but I always found seeing people that approach music but don't really know how to play a musical instrument, sometimes they really do come out with you know, it was when I was in, I, my degrees are all in music composition, there was a guy that was a composer that it was, you know, couldn't hear, like when you played you know, either it's ear training that you do in where you play like a major third. He couldn't hear a major third versus a minor third. But yet, he was in the composition program. So there were two, com- there were two composition teachers. One of them was more traditional and was like, he's, he should go to the business school. This guy is Wrong not... Wrong guy. He's not going to be... But the other guy who was more... Of the, said, no, what he doesn't hear could be the next thing. That could be the, the, the amazing thing. Um, even though that he's not a great... Musician in that way. I think of like Jackson Pollock in this way, you know where I can look at a Jackson Pollock painting And it looks like just splattering on the on a canvas Um, Some people just think that's just that's crap. uh, What is that? I find it Really intriguing and I always say to people that think that it's like well you didn't do it, you know, and so music to me has this huge um, Kind of uh, spectrum of, of, of what is good and, and what can be done with it. You don't really, my point being, you don't really have to be a musician that practices to make this stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that happens today, you know, with remixes, these guys n- may not necessarily know how to play very well, but they can hear. And they, and, they, and they hear things that are cool to them, and they assemble them in ways that can sometimes be amazing and engaging in something that I would never be able to do you know, that, that to me is one of the really intriguing things from a creative point of view in music.
1: Well, Blake, this is awesome. It's really fun to dive yeah, in on this. Is absolutely. there anything
0: anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? And Oh, you know, yeah, you know, if I were going to do anything, because this is kind of a, um, it's not super specifically aimed at musicians. You're kind of aiming to innovators and stuff. Um, you know, the one thing that I, if I plug anything, I plug my company because, you um, I feel really strongly about a lot of the things that we do in this company. In fact, I'm looking right now at this band that we have that's that's called Close the Distance. These girls here—they're the ones that gave me this. Uh huh. They're from Hawaii. The macadamia nuts. So their dad used to work for Yamaha, and he opened up a music school in um, Hawaii, and these these kids all learned how to play in that school. Oh, cool. And um, but the 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 thing that kind of unites all these these guys together, these young kids learning stuff, is is Yamaha and the, and the educational aspect of it. You know, we have all these band and orchestral rental things that we do out there, but we also make synthesizers. We also, um, and I think we're good corporate citizens, you know. We have some acquisitions that we've done, like Bosendorfer, for example, that, um, you know, when we acquired that company, um, we Basically acquired it and then they're still making Bosendorfer for pianos in Vienna. We didn't just take what we wanted and trash the company. You know, we do things because we're so big that are almost custodians of the industry. And um, so there's things like that that I really like about the company. There's education programs, like I say, that we do that I think are second to none. Um, and um, and we give back a lot of stuff, too. I mean, uh, so that, that would be my big thing is like... Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with this company. I've worked with a lot of different companies and I've never been more uh, you know, honored to work for somebody that's principled. I go to work every day and I feel like you know, this is a good job, this is a good company, and I can look at myself in the mirror and say, yeah, this is awesome. So that's what I would say. That's great, Blake. That. And the YC61 stage keyboard. If you're a keyboardist, <laughs> you gotta check it out. So there, awesome. I'll, I'll definitely plug my product there. Awesome. But. So. Great.
1: And, and people can people find you doing demos and stuff online? Oh, yeah. Is there a place to go? Fact,
0: the place to go is yamahasynth.com. That is our synthesizer website. We have hundreds of articles up there. There's both tutorial things. I'm kind of the, the the webmaster, for lack of a better term of that. But I also post a lot of things called synth bits, for example, that are just a little... Um, uh, You know, things that are interesting that I find out there that use Yamaha keyboards. So it could be a performance on an old CS80 from the 70s, an analog synth, or it could be, um, you know, anything. So we have stuff that's engaging not just for synth people, but it is very much about Yamaha synthesizers and how it works. We have a podcast that's called Behind the Synth that I post up there that we have up on SoundCloud that people can like and subscribe to if they wish. Um, That's uh, interviews with artists and... uh, You know me just checking out old vintage gear or current gear so yamahasynth.com awesome
1: awesome Awesome. lots of fun stuff all right thanks so much blake for joining us on music tectonics i think i'm going to go inside and go check out the guitars
0: yeah you should yeah there's some good ones new ones in there beautiful ones
1: welcome back to music tectonics this is dimitri your host i'm at NAM, the national association of music merchandisers and i've come over to it was called the Yamaha Booth, but it's like a whole takeover of the Marriott Hotel. It is huge. And I'm here with Andy Winston. He's a technical sales specialist at Yamaha. How's it going,
2: Andy? Well, Dimitri, thanks for coming in, and we really appreciate you coming into our booth today. Yeah,
1: and we're in the Whisper Room, so it's a little bit quieter.
2: Isn't it nice? I mean, you're a regular at this show. You know how the cacophony of Nam. It's nice to have a room where actually we can talk, and then I can demo this kind of cool product for your listeners.
1: Exactly. So, speaking of which, so our podcast is about innovation in the music and technology space and um... you're holding something that looks like a simple plain guitar you want to just play it for us first
2: yeah let me do this now everything that you're hearing is coming out of this guitar naturally i'm not plugged into any amplification device or any external effects device
1: So I'm looking at what looks like a wooden guitar. We're not plugged into anything. I don't see
2: any technology here. Why all that reverb? So what we have here is this really cool proprietary Yamaha technology, and it's called transacoustic. About eight years ago, it was actually developed out of our piano division, where you could buy a grand piano. They had this secondary sound source underneath that was developing reverb and chorus into your natural piano sound. Eventually the technology became small enough that we could stuff it in things. So we started putting it in guitars. So about four years ago, we came out with the very first edition of the trans acoustic guitar. This guitar, as you heard, will generate reverb and chorus inside of the guitar unplugged from any external sound device. Okay. So for your listeners in studio, I have reverb and chorus control right on my guitar, I don't have to trust somebody else to dial in my sound. If I'm just an at-home player, why wouldn't I want to sit in a sea of reverb when I play? In his practical experience from my owning one, I find myself playing longer because the reverb and chorus send me places it tells me where to go and then it's been 20 minutes and i haven't put the guitar down and i've missed two phone calls and life is chaotic again but it's that thing about how technology into a simple well-built acoustic guitar really can unlock the potential and maybe some creativity that your listeners have
1: so, what is going
2: on inside there? Is there a battery in there? What What is the technology? Yeah, so what we have is we have a small little processing board, and I'll turn this over so Dimitri can see this. You'll see a little green light on the board just under the, the, the top edge of the side. It looks like a computer circuit board or something. It, it's kind of like that. It's a small little circuit board. Down in the bottom of it, though, you'll see a little metal bracket, and it's, we call it an actuator, but what it is, it's almost like a tiny little speaker, but the speaker is pointed at the back of the guitar now. So So what we're doing is I've got a a, a device inside the guitar that is developing the signal, but I'm now hitting the back of the instrument, which is kind of cool. The back of the guitar never really generated tone. It was always the top, right? So now that I've got something pointed at the back, that splash of reverb is actually echoing off the back of the instrument now. So when I sit and hold this guitar, I'm really sitting in a sea of reverb, which is kind of cool. And then also what I can do is I can add chorus. So for your uh, listeners that are finger picking guitar players, check this out. Nice. And you were just playing with some knobs. Describe the knobs that are there on the top of the guitar. Yeah, there's a a trio of knobs on the top of it. And this is what I like about it. So that in a live environment, I really can kind of on the fly control what my effects are doing. The left knob is going to be my reverb knob. And as you can see, there's two different settings. We've got a room reverb and a hall reverb. And they're graduated from kind of from six o'clock up to twelve o'clock as you go around the dial, the room reverb gets heavier. As you get past 12 and start turning the dial. Now I'm really into this giant hall reverb and it's great because it, it really puts you in the middle of the room. The the knob on the right is my chorus control. Kind of zero to ten, nice big sweep of chorus. The centered control is my system on off and my output master volume. Now that only controls the output volume when I plug it into an amplifier. So remember this does have a quarter inch output. I can plug this into any PA system, recording desk or amplifier, get those chorus and reverb sounds that you heard coming naturally out of the guitar, will come down the cable as well. So if you players that are live players, this might be your next guitar.
1: And for the record, when uh, we recorded just now, I was just holding the mic up to the guitar. We were not plugged in.
2: I'm not into the PA system. We have nothing fancy. We're doing this through a simple handheld microphone. There's all sorts of demo stuff online, which is, which is cool to see. But you just heard it live in a room with one microphone. That's great.
1: Great. What, let's look at one other thing. What else do you have?
2: What we're going to show you now is I'm going to show you a complete cool Yamaha innovation called the silent guitar. Yamaha is a technology company. We do mad technology with synthesizers and stuff like that. But we also happen to make amazing guitars. So silent guitar is a, the perfect marriage of the technology and the guitar building. But let me get into this. We have a silent violin series. We do a silent cello and upright bass. Why silent? The benefit is for your listeners is that you can hear it right now. It's I don't have the volume tub, so it's really a quiet guitar. When I turn the volume up though, you can hear the resonance of wood and the resonance of those strings. So to me, now I've got an amplified acoustic guitar, well, reverb and chorus on the preamp, microphone modeling as well, so we really get a cool controllable sound out of it. But the benefit to your listener is, there's no feedback issues, it's a direct, Piezo signal added with microphone modeling, so if any of your listeners are entertainers, they're up on stage entertaining people, they're not tethered to like playing an acoustic guitar where you have to stand in front of a microphone. And the other benefit to this is the upper frame detaches.
1: He is, this is like Lego, he's disassembling this thing.
2: And it goes into a fairly small gig bag, so it travels really, really well. Now there's three different models in silent guitar. There's a silent steel string. So for you steel string or acoustic players, or if you have to play acoustic guitar in a rock band environment, play this it will never feed back so we do a steel string we do a traditional 2.05 inch classical guitar and then we have this really cool thing called a narrow classical I'm gonna give you a classical nylon string guitar with a 1.78 nut width so it's not a big transition from your steel string acoustic guitar over to the nylon string sound okay so
1: I don't know anything about guitars the acoustics or the electronics or anything how is what you're playing this silent guitar different from just an electric guitar?
2: Well the thing is you're sitting here in the room with me you don't see the guitar but we hear the guitar we hear the resonance of body wood but I don't see res I don't see the body wood so that's part of that proprietary Yamaha technology of also being able to take my pickup signal and blend in a microphone model. So what we've done is we've actually modeled this guitar in a studio with, mic- with uh, digital microphones on it and give you that ability to blend between the piezo signal and the microphone model. Uh, bass and treble on the preamp, we also give you on every model an auxiliary input. Why would I need that on, on, a, on a guitar? Well on the aux input, I can plug in my phone or backing tracks, get it to come through the headphones or get it to come out of the quarter inch cable into the PA system. So it's a great system if you're a a solo artist, I can plug plug your backing tracks right into your guitar, get it through your phones, or send it to the PA.
1: Okay, to make sure I understand here, it sounds like an acoustic guitar, but it's much narrower, it's easier to break down,
2: it's got controls on it, it's got this auxiliary input, that's the difference. And no feedback ever. So once we remove the body of the guitar but can duplicate that resonance, there's that technology thing again, is now I can make a stage-worthy acoustic guitar with no feedback issues at all.
1: Awesome. These demos are great. Thanks, Andy. A question for you. We talk about big-picture stuff on Music Tectonics, how the technology is changing, how people are making music, who's getting engaged with music, how it's changing the listening experience. In this seat that you're in with this really interesting guitars that are these hybrids of traditional makes with innovative technology what are you seeing what what
2: stands out to you is the shifts that are happening in music right now well i think what we're all about especially at yamaha is the passion and performance of making music we're all about creating the new musician but what i see kind of from a generational basis is my younger folks are more They're more adept at the different outlets that they have to sell or transmit their music. Now with digital technologies, I can record a song at night and send it around the world the next day. So I think the younger generation is grabbing on hold of that, where maybe the older generation is letting them pass that by. But the older generation is kind of cool for the fact transacoustic and silent, they love it. They want those toys, they want that extra, that extra effect or feature that is going to help them be creative and our thing is unlocking the music within our people remember there's no music inside of any of the guitars that you heard today the music's inside of you the music's inside of the player we can put the cool technology on the end of it and we can build you the coolest guitar but none of our guitars are gonna play themselves it's up to you the listener to make the music
1: that's Andy Winston, technical sales specialist. You can see why he's technical, but but hey, thanks for translating all that for us. And uh,
2: thanks for letting us stop by at Yamaha. Thanks, you guys. And thanks for your listeners. And thanks for uh, Dimitri. Appreciate it.
1: Keep listening to the Music Tectonics podcast. Hit subscribe. And we've got more coming from now.
0: Listening to Music Tectonics.